0: small
1: is correct about we have about 6 more sundays i think until the last sunday and the last closing days of may it is my fullest intention and we trust the lord for enabling grace that we can be with you for each of those sundays with the possible exception of one we're looking for also a good special speaker who's going to be with us on the second Sunday in May. You'd be much in prayer about that. But apart from that, I just wouldn't miss it for anything. This is good today. I like the way you're singing and you're praising the Lord and God meets with his people when they rejoice in him. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer this time to ask God's blessings upon the message that he has given us this morning. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we're thankful that salvation is by totally your sovereign grace And without that, Lord, none would be saved. And we thank Thee for the work of the Holy Spirit who comes to quicken and regenerate sinners so that they might hear the gospel and they might see the gospel and feel the gospel and be convicted by the preaching of the gospel which will lead to their salvation. We thank Thee for the broadcast ministry of this church that goes throughout all the world. And Heavenly Father, thou hast made that possible for us. Help us to be faithful to the charge of preaching the word. Bless this offering. Get honor and glory out of it. For we ask these things in Christ's name. For his sake we pray. Amen. Would you be seated, please? I'm so thankful for the passage of scripture Brother Ted felt led to use this morning in his opening scripture reading. I was thinking about that this day that the Lord Jesus had met with his disciples and fed them and after he fed them, they had a church service, question and answer period and he singled out Simon Peter and said, Simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And Simon very quickly responded, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And the Lord said, Feed my lambs. Now, dear friends, that's what I have tried faithfully to do for the last 43 years as your pastor. Feed the sheep. Feed the lambs and feed them the Word of God. Uh, I had wanted several times this came to my heart and I studied it and studied it because I wanted to preach on the subject of hating every false way. You know, David makes that statement in the 119th Psalm twice. He said, and I quote, I hate every false way. So we want to be faithful this morning to the Lord. I do not believe he's leading in that direction. However, I was going to entitle that message were I to preach it, The Believer and Temptation. The Believer and Temptation. We may do that the next time around. Can't ever tell. We used to sing a song. I was raised in Roxboro, North Carolina. And we used to sing a song quite frequently in our church. I noticed it is not in our hymn book. But the name of the song is Yield Not to Temptation. And the writer was right on cue when he wrote it. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you, some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. Shun evil companions, bad language disdain. God's name hold in reverence, nor take it in vain. Be thoughtful and earnest, kind-hearted and true, looking ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. To him that overcometh, God giveth a crown. Through faith we will conquer, though often cast down. He who is our Savior, our strength will renew. Look ever to Jesus, he'll carry you through. Still want to preach on that subject. I hate every false way. We'll get around to that maybe should the Lord give us the time to do so. However, we do have another text and would have you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 12. And I want you to listen to the reading of God's Word, verses 22 through 32. That's Luke 12 verses 22 through 32. Please notice the scripture. And he said unto his disciples, Christ is speaking to his church here. And his church was that nucleus of believers called apostles in the early days and early ministry of Christ himself. And he, Christ, spoke to his disciples. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn and God feedeth them, how much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, by taking thought, can add to his statue one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, and they toil not, they spin not, And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so loved the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be ye doubtful or be of a doubtful mind for all these things do the nations of the world seek after and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you and our text in verse 32 fear not fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give the kingdom to give you the kingdom and I want to speak on the subject this morning of living without fear now that's much easier to say than it is to do have you ever been afraid before have you ever been scared of somebody or something before and how time consuming it is and how depressing it becomes living without fear our text presents to us one of the most comforting verses of scripture in the bible did you pay attention Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It pleases God to give the kingdom to his believers, especially to those who are of the church which he has established. It is notice to the little flock and not to the mega flock. More churches in the world are small churches than are humongous, big churches. And that is not to pour water or discouragement even on big churches that are preaching the word of God. But basically the church has always been a little group of people And they're constantly growing. And the church many times is often changing because of several factors. But it is a little flock and not a mega flock. They were little in number. They were small in number. In John chapter 6, verse number 66, and I'm going to give you several references, but in John 6, verse 66... The Lord says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I've been preaching the gospel for 70 years and in 70 years I've seen a lot of things take place in church. I've seen things taking place in church when the truth was being preached and the people hated the truth more than anything else in the world and I've had them by the numbers, 35 and 40 people, members of the church in stalwart faith get up and march out thinking they were doing God a service. My dear friends, they were little in number. The closer they got to Calvary, the fewer were a part of that great number. They begin to not multiply and divide, but subtract and subtract and subtract. So much so that even the Lord mentioned the fact that his disciples had turned away and walked away from him. They were not only little in number, but they were little in the eyes of the world. The church back then was little in the eyes of the world. In John chapter 15, verse 19, the Lord Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Ladies and gentlemen, did it ever occur to you that the world still hates the church. They don't mind a religious organization and an entertainment project, but they don't want a church that preaches the sovereignty of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ and the verbally inspired word of God. They were little in the eyes of the world. Beware when the world speaks well of the church If there's anything I do not want to hear is the world come across, say, oh, Brother Cozart got the best church in town. I don't want to hear that. I want them to learn how to fear the church because it belongs to the Lord and it teaches the Word of God. They were little in their own eyes. They didn't go around bragging about how many members they had and publicizing that. In John 15, verse number 5 They experienced the enabling work of grace in their midst. Without me, he said, you can do nothing. And I told you how important those words are to me. That without me, we can do nothing. That is, without the Lord, we can do nothing. We have not that Pop, that populace and we have not that practice and we have not that ingenuity that we can do without the Lord without him we can do absolutely nothing the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation was removed because they failed to see this in that last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter number 3 verses 17 and 19 the Lord said to the church at Laodicea because you say not because he said but because you say I'm rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mayest see and previously he said to them because you're neither hot nor cold but lukewarm I will spew thee out of my mouth. They were to be little in their own eyes but no they were pompous about it and proud of all they had accomplished. It is a flock of sheep we're talking about this morning, not a herd of goats. I hope you know the difference between the two. A flock of sheep and a herd of goats. Much of the consternation in some of our soteriology would be cleared up in a minute if you realize that God deals with his sheep in a way He does not deal with goats And vice versa The sheep belong to the Lord The goats do not In Psalm 100 Verse number 3 Have you ever heard of it before We are his people And the sheep Of his pasture And he told Peter By the lake of Galilee Feed my lambs Feed my sheep These are the sheep of God. Are you listening? They were given to the Son by the Father. Now let's look at a few of these quickly because it makes all the difference in the world as to whether we're preaching just doctrine for doctrine's sake or whether we're setting forth the Scripture as it teaches it. They were given, the sheep were given to the Son by the Father. In the sixth chapter of John, Verse number 37, the first part of that verse. John 6, 37, I believe that's correct. Notice it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, before we were ever born in a world that we read history about, but we were not there God Almighty was there and God Almighty was working as a father giving to his son sheep that would be redeemed by the blood of the lamb and would come to be saved by the grace of God. And he calls them sheep throughout the scripture. You say, well, I I just kind of believe you got to wait on people to come to Christ. They never will. They do not have the ability to come to Christ And they certainly do not have the will to come to Christ. You will not come to me that you might have life. Therefore, if they're going to come to the Father and to the Son through the Father, the Father has to give them to the Son. And how gracious God the Father is to do that. Not basing it on anything in the world except the clear, unadulterated pleasure of God. God was pleased to do it that way. And hallelujah for amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Praise the Lord for that. It's a flock of sheep, not a herd of goats. Not only were they given to the Son by the Father, but they were died for by Christ. They were died for by Christ. When Christ hung on the cross, he did not die for every reprobate who ever lived. He died for his sheep that all those whom he gave to the Son would be brought by the Holy Spirit in regeneration to accept Christ and trust Christ as salvation. And they are his, their sheep, they were died for. In John chapter 10, by the way, if you need a scripture on that, Most people do. They start choking up. John chapter number 10, verses 15 and 16. What does it say? John 10, verses 15 and 16. As the Father knoweth me, Christ is speaking, church. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. What a great day that was for Dan Cozart. When God took that verse of scripture and literally bathed my soul in it, I laid down my life for the sheep. You say, what about the goats? What about the goats? I laid down my life for the sheep. Well, I've always believed he laid down his life for everybody. What does that make you? Makes you smarter than the Lord because the Lord's already told us who he laid his life down for. Is that okay? I don't want you to be unhappy and miserable and go out here with ulcers this morning, but I want you to know that the Bible's more important than what you think and what I think. It's what it says. And we need to change our theology. If we believe things that are not in the Scripture, we need to change what we believe and line up with the teaching of God's blessed Word Not only were they died for by Christ, but they heard and followed Christ. In that 10th chapter of John, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It just happens that way, because God gives them a following heart. It's a flock of sheep, not a herd of goats, goats. They were called by name. In John chapter 10, verses 3 through 4, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's a work of God's grace. He knows all of his sheep by name. By name. My, my. What grace. Called by name, and then they possess eternal life. In John 10, verses 28 and 29, I give unto them eternal life. Who's he talking about? Talking about the sheep. I give unto them eternal life, And by the way, how long is eternal life? A long time. A long time. It is world without end. Amen. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. One young preacher preaching on that text wanted to impress his congregation how well he knew the Greek language. And he kept talking about the power of this word, about keeping them, keeping them. He said, it's not just pronouncing the word, it's keep, keep, keep. Oh, there are a number of keeps there. And one little old Irish lady in his congregation stood up and said, one of his keeps plenty good enough for me. Amen? Amen. They possess eternal life. The sheep do. The sheep do. Fear not is a command. In our text in Luke chapter number 12, verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not is a command. He said, fear not. Do you know what he meant by that? He meant stop worrying about it. Don't be perplexed over it. And don't try to figure out all the ramifications of it. If God said don't fear, don't fear. It is a command. Do not fear is just as much a command as do not steal. Do not fear is just as much a command as thou shalt not commit adultery. Why do we take God's commands And the ones we like, we accept, and the ones we don't figure out, we just kind of discard them. No, all of God's commands are for our good and for His glory. Fear not is a command. Fear not. Fear not. He doesn't say that to some of the sheep. He says that to all of us who are sheep. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not is not only a command, but fear not is a reproof. Christ was all the time telling them to fear not. He reproves us the same way today. You know, one of the clearest illustrations of that statement is to be found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4, beginning with verse 35. And the same day when the eleven was come, he said unto them, let's pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, not just a casual wind storm, but a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, And they woke him up and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea... Obey him. As the rain began to pepper down a little while ago, one of our men pointed that out to me. Well, here comes the rain, you know. And we've seen a lot of that lately. Did you know not one drop of rain ever releases from heaven and comes to this earth? But my Father gives it permission to do so. And the wind does not blow. And the storms do not come except God gives permission or sends them personally for what he wants to accomplish. Fear not is a reproof. Fear not is a doctrine. Fear not. Fear not. We need this teaching today because we spend so much time. Oh, I'm not talking about you folk. (laughs) I'm talking about those who didn't come today, all right? We need this preaching today because we spend so much time fretting, worrying, and being afraid. We live in a generation of fear today. I have never seen the like of it in my lifetime on planet Earth. Things that are being committed today in the form of sin and debauchery and anything the devil and hell can stir up, and there's no reinforcement, there's no punishment for it, taking little boys and little girls and turning river rats into them. Oh, my dear friends, just taking guns and walking around, shooting people between the eyes, and they love it, and they like it. The more they can kill, the it, we live in a very dangerous time, and please, Don't think that Tyler, Texas is exempt from that. This is no haven of rest here, my dear friends. Unless God Almighty intervenes, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. We need these words from the Lord today. Fear not. Fear not. It is a doctrine. Someone has rightly said, and I I do like this, three kinds of people. Number one, those who are having a nervous breakdown. Number two, those who just finish having one. And number three, those who are planning to have one as soon as they can get around to it. Worry, fear. There was a woman who worried about and was asked why she worried all the time because she said, I don't have anything to worry about. We we just, we're victims of that. And we have a tendency to do that. I know you're thinking of somebody who's a worrier, but you forgot to look in the mirror this morning before you left the house. I imagine there's something that could trigger your worry button real quick. And something could do the same thing with mine. This message is not to an obsolete audience somewhere out there in the Judean hills. This message is for people living where we live today. The person who wears your nose needs to hear what this preacher is saying today. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Some worry about living. Some worry about dying. Some worry about getting Some worry about losing. Some worry about their friends. Some worry about their enemies. The Lord is teaching us in this passage how to live without worrying and without fear. Fear not. Just a plain statement, isn't it? Fear not. There are no exceptions. We're not at liberty to pick out what we will and will not worry about. God tells us not to worry about anything. Did you notice as we were reading in Luke chapter 12 in verse number 22. He makes it so clear. The Bible says he said to his disciples, "Therefore I say unto you that you take no thought." That means stop worrying about your life. What you'll eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. Let's see another one. In verse number 24a, consider the ravens. Look how they operate. And then again, consider the lilies in verse number 27. Look how they operate. They grow, they don't toil, they don't spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed as one of these. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And, and I, do, I do like the, the, the translation. The King James is so good here. Be careful for nothing. It's all right to be careful a few things, but no, he said be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God And the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds. I'm glad that those are not empty words. He meant that when he said it. We cannot have peace when we worry. I know that. I know that. I tried to change the whole entire hospital system of Tyler, Texas, and I couldn't even get to the first base on it. Nothing I would do. And God just simply said, why don't you just shut up? Just trust. Stop fussing about it. Don't worry about family situations. We'll get to you in a minute. Don't be impatient. Don't worry about family situations. This could involve in-law problems, divorce problems, and marital problems happens all the time don't worry about financial situations a drop in the salary, a loss of a job difficulty finding work don't worry about failure situations this could be bad health long term care hospitalization even death don't worry about it. You know, Brother Job has so much in his book that needs to be read by God's people today. In Job chapter number 3, verses 24 and 25. Have you ever been there? It says this. Let me get the right right, uh, right reference here. Job chapter 3, verse 25. Job. Be good if I study my Bible more, wouldn't it? Job chapter 3, verses 25 and 40. This is good. For my sighing cometh (laughs) before I eat. Job said that. For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. For the time which I greatly feared. It's come upon me. What I've always worried about. Job said, I've got a double case of it now. It's come upon me. And that which I was afraid of, it's come upon me. Don't worry about failure situations. The thing which I greatly feared. Fear not, it doesn't do any good. In Luke chapter 12, verse 25, this refers to extended life and not to make one a cubic taller. Fear robs God of that time we should think on him. Generally, we're not thinking too much about the Lord when our mind is cluttered up with fearing things that are bothering us day after day after day. Dr. Charles Mayo of Mayo Clinic made this statement, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the entire nervous system. He says, I have never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I've known a lot who died from worry. As a child... do you remember when there was Tums? I mean, any time you hurt, just get you a package of Tums, and that'd do the job all right. And if Tums didn't take care of it, if you could spell it, Alka-Seltzer. Today, there's Ryopan, Tagamet, Pepsin, Zantac, Digel, Gaviscon, Malox, pepto and a host of others. Worrying produces acid and acid produces ulcers and ulcers can kill you. One day I was in a local pharmacy and had a few minutes to spare and so I started counting the anti-acids and without moving two feet away from where I was standing, I counted 50 different anti If number one won't work, try number two. If number two won't work, go to the gypsy or talk to a counselor or something, you know. Worry. The Lord said, Fear not. Didn't He say that? <laughs> Fear not. Pessimism runs off and it rubs off. A question that can get you into trouble is someone walking up to you and saying unto you, how are you feeling today? And you are rotten inside. And you've been waiting for somebody to notice how rotten you really are. And when they ask you, say, well, I've had a few bad days,
0: but I'm... mm, 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 mm."
1: And here we go. Watch out for Sad Sack. You remember when they used to, cartoons in the paper would carry a Sad Sack and, and worrying Sam. Everywhere Sam went, there was a cloud over his head. <laughs> Everything was wrong with Sam. Fear not, it makes troubles bigger than they are. Fear breeds fear. My mother was a chronic worrier I mean she was a chronic worrier I have an older brother who has since gone on to be with the Lord and we grew up she was always more concerned about him than she was me she could beat the devil out of me but he was too big to beat okay and he'd go out and when he's supposed to come in at 10 o'clock that's an awful time for kids to want to be coming in 10 o'clock. We're just getting started around 10 o'clock. And he, he never did come in at 10 o'clock. And she'd start into worrying, and I could see it coming. Here, here it is. And it wasn't long until she said, Lenny, that was my daddy. She said, call the doctor. And that's back when doctors used to make house calls. And there might be some better doctrine today if they still made a few house calls along the way. You're welcome. All right? But she would call, Lenny, get the doctor here. And when the doctor would come, he said, Now, Flora, don't worry about this. I've got a little pill. I want you to take this. And he knew just exactly. She had about five minutes after that pill taken till she'd be out of it. And by the time she's out of it, my brother came walking through the door. He was 10 minutes late. He said, Everybody having a good time around here? course, you didn't have any of that, did you? Fear not. It is sin and unbelief. I want us to spend the rest of our time, which is shortly, looking up some references. Most of them are in the book of Psalm. Let's see what the Bible has to say. In Psalm 25, verses 12 through 13, Psalm number 25 verses 12 through 13. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. What a promise. In Psalm number 34, Psalm number 34, verses 4 and following. Psalm 34, verses 4 and following. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles." The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In the 37th Psalm, Psalm 37, beginning with verse number 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholding him with his hand. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging bread. And on it goes. And then in the 46th Psalm. Psalm number 46 verses 1 through 5. Listen. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there's a river in the stream, pardon me, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. And then in Psalm number 84, verses 11 and 12. Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. It says this. For the Lord God is a sun, S-S-U-N, and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. And then in Psalm 125, Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abide forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, <laughs> even forever. Isn't that wonderful? God's around his people. Where do you expect God to be? He's around his sheep. He's around his people. And in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, Proverbs 16, verse number 9, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Isn't that wonderful? And then in Hebrews 13, 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. And on top of all that glorious list of sovereign smelling graces is Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are the called according to His purpose fear is self trust fear is self trust it depends on me to work it out to do something about it but faith is trust in the Lord that God will take care of it as we call upon him faith in the Lord and finally fear not does not change the father's good pleasure In Matthew 25, verse number 34, Matthew 25, verse number 34, and we dare not pass that by, Matthew 25, verse number 34. The Bible says this, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth can pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This is the basis for continual joy. It's pref- it is prefaced by these words the king shall say. The king shall say. I've never seen a king in person, I never have. I've never heard the voice of a king literally and audibly but one day I will I'm going to hear him speak and I'm going to look at him as he speaks to me and to you and to all of his people the king shall say God is pleased to give the kingdom to his little flock and one final in Matthew 25 21 Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You don't get that out of Lady's Companion. You don't get that out of Reader's Digest. You get that out of the Word of God. Either God is who he says he is or we're the biggest generation of fools that ever have lived on this earth. God is everything he says he is and will do exactly what he says he will do. So what's the message, Brother Cozart? Fear not. And you're looking at a pastor who fears. And I'm looking at a people who fear. It'll come along. And there it is, big as life. And you say, well, the very thing I hated the most is happening to me. But don't fear. Trust the Lord. Believe in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. Let's stand, please, for prayer. Would you please? <clears throat> Father in heaven, We ask you to forgive us for the times we have endeavored to walk by sight instead of walking by faith. We know. Lord, we know by experience, time after time after time. There have been moments in our life when we didn't have the answer and we didn't know what we were going to do. And then you stepped in. And all of a sudden, it was going to be all right now. Oh, God, do it in our day and time. Help us to love you and to trust you and to believe you, that you love us and have always loved us and will never leave us nor forsake us. Teach us to trust in you and give us victory over the common fears of this life. For we ask these things in Christ's name. For his blessing's sake we pray. Amen. It's been so good to have you here. I want you to sing with us and we'll